Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Lorraine, have a look at these. What have you got for me? What are they, Trish? <laughs> I'm not sure I like that. What is it? These are shotgun cartridge festive lights. Oh, my so goodness. This, yes. So they are red and green empty shotgun cartridges, all strong as Christmas lights. And guess what? who? Uh, oh, not Neil. Yes. <laughs> Where did he get those, for God's sake? On, on the internet, he found them. He searched them up and thought they're the most genius thing ever. And this is his contribution to our Christmas decoration scheme. Do you think he searched them up thinking... I know what Trish would like. She would like some Christmas lights for the tree that look like shotgun cartridges but, because yes. of her long heritage exactly. of killing things in the garden. Yes, exactly. Can I say they, they aren't just looking like shotgun? They actually are. So they are empty used shotgun cartridges. I and often wonder how you two found each other, <laughs> Trish, sometimes. It's a bit of a mystery. It's a it is a mystery, mystery. yes. Anyway, needless I, to I say, they won't I be like going... Them. Anywhere near the Christmas no. tree or, or the, anywhere in the rest of the house. There's a very small room that has the boiler in it and some of his toolkit. And I think they might be going in there. Well, I think we might find him wrapped up, tied up with them in there. <laughs> don't you? This special Christmas edition of Postcards from Midlife. We hope you like this sleigh bell special effects. We haven't spared any expense on producing this episode, I can assure you. So we are less than a week away from the magical day, Lorraine. Are you feeling in a festive mood? Well, I am, Trish, I am, because I've been having my mince pies for breakfast because you know I like a mince pie after Delicious. I have my kefir yogurt. Though mm. my festive celebrations, Trish, mm. and you're bored of this by now, oh. I know, is I've managed to contract the COVID. Yes, you have. <laughs> as my relatives refer to it, um, which I got from my teenage son, mm. um, which he must have got at school, I think. Now, he's fine, though, because he's in, in isolation in the basement. He's just playing FIFA the whole time, so it <laughs> benefits him greatly yeah, he's happy yeah uh, meanwhile I'm upstairs isolated yeah. from everybody not getting the Christmas shopping well not getting anything done basically so that I think probably sums up the whole gender imbalance oh, of life doesn't it I'm he's sure happily it building his FIFA team and I'm up yeah. here worrying and blowing I, my nose and I bet you can't taste your mince pies anymore can you because your taste and smell is all gone to well, it's not stopping me eating them oh no <laughs> I, know, I, I was very saddened when I got that text. I think you're on the mend now, which is good. So, you know, there's time. Might there's be time Trish might have to stay in isolation for some time to come. Who knows? Yeah. You might quite enjoy it. You yes. never know. But listen, <laughs> I've been getting quite festive as well. I've been to a lovely carol service. I've survived my first hangover of the season after a girl's night out, which was very It's not fun. true, is it? You have a hangover a week. Oh. <laughs> you're making that up. <laughs> 
Actually, I might do for the next few weeks, but not in general, not in right. general. And uh, despite, uh, well, maybe because of Neil's awful shotgun lights, I bought some new baubles for the tree this year. We've had the same ones for about 20 years, which I think is really good. And they're very nice. They're all kind of gold and purple, and I quite like them. But someone got a bit tipsy last year and had a little stumble into the tree. <laughs> when, you say, when you say tipsy, mm. Trish, you're tipsy elf's Neil again, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that man... Elf. Yeah, that man, your tipsy elf, he's tiddly from December the 1st onwards, isn't he? Which I think might be the best way to approach Christmas, don't you think? Yes, I think a lot of people are, aren't they? But I think he's extra excited this year because we're we're doing something different for Christmas Day. We're having our first ever Friendsmas. We're not having any family. We're having friends it's going to be 14 of us um and I'm really excited about it because I love these friends um but I am stealing myself for the most enormous amount of work that will be going into it and for all our sort of rating Neil he is very helpful with uh, all the preparations in the run-up he gets very excited he's you know he gets stuck in he does all the jobs he gets very excited about everything he does yes that's why we like a lot of energy he's got a lot of energy but the problem is on the day great in the morning but then as soon as the guests arrive uh, you know everything goes out the door he's so excited he can't do anything else so everything I have to do everything you know from that he's point the, onwards so, he's kind of the host isn't he he's the excited yes, except host. he forgets to get people drinks so I'm still having to get people drinks while I'm having yeah. to get the canapes out and do all of that all so it's staff. just yes it is the timing the getting the timing right I think is the uh is the thing well I think all midlife women I mean, that, that, this is the law of physics, isn't it? Mm. We do Christmas. Women do Christmas. I mean, it, the card writing, that is driving me mad, the card writing. Oh, yeah. that tips me over the edge every year. The hamper sending, table decorating, cooking, tidying up. And then, Trish, what mm. usually happens, and I know this happens to you, mm. is that while you or I are loading the dishwasher, I mean, I'm not often allowed to do it, but I am at Christmas because my husband's a bit like Neil, he just disappears off yes. the host. Um, they eat all the quality street, don't they? Yes, and then they by do. the time you and I get to it, yeah. it's just that bloody coffee cream one. Coffee isn't cream it? or strawberry so. cream I also can't stand. Yes. don't like it. <laughs> It's frazzled. It's Christmas mm. frazzled. Um, we've got a plan, though, haven't we? We're going to yes, discuss this. Yes, we do. This. We do, because in this episode, we're going to be sharing Christmas tales and tips from our wonderful Facebook group. And, Lorraine, you've been speaking to some big brain bona fide family experts, too, for some really useful advice on coping with the physical and emotional frazzle, I would say, and keeping spirits up if it does all get a bit too much. Yes, um, it's the frazzle that tips us over the edge, but... I'm really looking forward to what our guests mm. have got to say about the Christmas frazzle because we have got for our Christmas special none other than the fortunately podcast hosts, Fee Glover and Jane Garvey. Yay. Yay. Do you think our listeners know the uh, very significant history makingness of this moment? Oh, I know. It is. It is. It will <laughs> go down in history. <laughs> It's the first time ever, I think, that there will be four middle-aged women on one podcast talking about the chuff of life, as Fee and Jane would say. Now, if we tried to get that commissioned mm. by the powers that be in broadcasting, we'd just be laughed out of the room, wouldn't yeah, we? we would. Four, four older women talking about the chuff of life, they'd say, go away, go away, ladies. Anyway, I am a bit nervous about these radio <laughs> gurus because... As you know, Trish, I'm extremely mm. competitive. <laughs> just a little, just a tad, just a tad. Mm-hmm. Even the COVID, Trish, it hasn't slowed me down. No, no, frankly. you've got competitive COVIDness as well. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. I should be putting that all on mm. my social media. Um, 
But I have backed down a bit from this competitiveness because they are multi-award winning broadcasters with decades of Mm. experience on the airwaves. And uh, we have been called podcasting's answer to the menopausal Walkman one. (laughs) So I think we may be benefiting more than they do on this, mightn't we? I mean, we're fans of Fortunately. We know loads of our lovely listeners. Huge fans. Fortunately as well. But their show is a little bit different from ours because they they have actually got quite a lot of male guests on, don't they? And male listeners, which we don't have, uh, or rather we thought we didn't have up until now because (laughs) we got an email from a chap called Brian all the way from New York last week, didn't we? Yes, we did, didn't we, (laughs) Trish? What joy it gave me during the COVID to read that oh for the arrogance and confidence of the older male I feel Mm. wouldn't it be magnificent if you could bag that arrogance and Mm. confidence and sell it in Holland and Baraday thank you Brian for your email I do hope you are listening Brian was very taken with our episode with Marion Keys Um, he had some advice for us didn't he Trish yes very useful he said I enjoyed Marion's conversation with you but I wished it had lasted longer if you have a best-selling author whose every book at this point sells a lot, every book at this point, he's implying, obviously, that some of Marion's might not sell mm. in the future because he is so wise, Brian, who has a humongous following. I would devote 95% of my podcast to her. <laughs> I mean, Brian. I know, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I think well, Brian he- doesn't realise that podcasts can just be as long as you want. There's no end time on them. It's 95% of five hours. I don't know. What's Brian saying? He was mostly taken in his email with how pretty Marion was, which I think says all we need to know about Mm. uh, Brian. Also, he's probably not seen a photograph of you and me, has he? No. Well, he can't have done. Can't have done. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He did refer to me as the Irish-born lady, though, which is actually... (laughs) He did, didn't he? Yes. (laughs) I think the Irish-born lady. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Well, Brian, if you want to start your own podcast, be my guest, because it is actually a little bit harder than you would think. But thank you so much for your email, and thank you for taking the time to get that off your chest, young Brian. Yes, thank you, Brian. I think we may have found the male equivalent of of the other Marion, the listener who emailed us earlier this year, who was outraged by our waffling. So we know Brian and Marion... Yes. The waffling of midlife women seems to appeal to millions of listeners. If Fee and Jane's success is anything, they've got 23 million downloads on their podcast. I know, I know. sake, Brian. Now, you can't please everybody, though, can you, Trish? You simply Mm. cannot. So talking of the times when you can't please everybody, shall we start jibber-jabbering about Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Sleigh bells, please, Amanda. Now it's time for some tips and tricks to make sure Christmas is a festive frivolity rather than a fiasco. Um, I'm going to start with one of mine, which is essentially not to rely on your overtired, overexcited, slightly tipsy husband on Christmas night to put away the turkey before he goes to bed. Oh, oh Neil, what did you do now? (laughs) Oh, Neil, he's getting it in the neck this week, isn't he? But I I have to say, because it is quite funny, because I went to bed, left him up, and I just assumed he would cover the turkey and put it away and whatever else. Came down in the morning to do more clearing up, and uh, the carcass was on the floor. And the dog... Margot. Well, Bridie, I was like, Bridie, Bridie the dog, the Labrador, Oh, my goodness. Had obviously, I thought she's very clever. She jumped up on the counter, paws up, pulled it off with her paws up. But it was quite sort of at the back of the counter. And then on the counter, I saw some paw prints, little 
furry tiny feline ones so I have this lovely image of them working together to kind of get this turkey carcass onto the floor and demolish it between them so needless to say there was no turkey curry leftover sandwiches that's your tip this year (laughs) that's my tip Christmas tip put the the turkey away there you go that's really helpful my husband gives our dog bits of turkey Mm. and it really affects her Ends, is it she were. like you? Does she get a, a bad tummy? Te- bad tummy, terrible. A a gassy tummy. Gassy tummy. <laughs> I will say, don't give the dog the turkey, for God's sake. None of us can handle that. you sure it's not a Brussels sprout day. he's uh, popping in? No. <laughs> no, she's a menace. They're all menaces. <laughs> so as you know, Trish, I've written quite a few columns mm-hmm. over the years, um, mainly about parenting and how to deal with the Christmas frazzle. And uh, I have spoken to many experts. So I've done a bit of Googling of those columns in my COVID state, Brave mm. Me, hashtag mm-hmm. Brave Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, competitive, competitive. Yeah. And I would say that the overwhelming piece of advice on running Christmas smoothly, avoiding the Christmas frazzle, is to have a plan. Oh, um, I know that sounds a cunning plan. very obvious. I interviewed Anita Clare of the Positive Parenting Project, and she said what is helpful is to anticipate situations in advance. So you look at the diary and you anticipate what's happening and think what the possible outcomes could be. So, for example, there is no point in making your teens do things that are in the diary that the whole family says is go- are going to be fun when you know they're simply not going to get up till midday. So mm. you, you just stop that situation happening in advance, ring and talk to people um, ahead. I think it's better to communicate it all in advance as well. And one of the things we do, relatives are very careless at Christmas. It, you all slot into those dynamics again. Mm. And one of the things that causes the frazzle for us is relatives saying, how did your exams go to the teenagers? Yeah. How your friends so I kind of think of all the things that might cause them a little bit of stress and then I will ring the relatives and say just don't ask about the exams please don't compare them against each other on exams please don't make any comments about what they're wearing and their hair and all of that as well and I know it sounds obvious but I do think you need to communicate those Mm -hmm. boundaries and then you just don't get into that stressful Mm. situation I think and also the other thing I think happens at Christmas especially around family is this whole the kind of social media for, for young people and mm-hmm. the Facebook for the older people of having to put all this stuff up to say what a brilliant time yeah. we're having. Yeah. And we last year, and I think a lot of experts have said this, we said we, we just don't want any pictures put on Facebook, please, because our teenagers don't like it when we put pictures of them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we just said, let's just not take pictures on, yeah. on the day unless it's, you know, the turkey or the, not the people pictures. Keep it just to the pets and the decoration pictures and that seemed to work quite well because it does cause a problem I think if you don't anticipate these things in advance you don't sort of define your boundaries of Mm. what's going on Mm -hmm. that would be my main tip plan it think about the outcomes negotiate in advance how you want the relatives to be yeah. around it. So that really helps with the sort of emotional stuff, but the practical yeah. stuff. Should we talk about presents? Because we've had a good few posts Ooh, yes. on some shockers that some of our listeners have had to endure over the years. And we'll They're start good. with Helen, who says, my worst present from my husband was a turkey baster. I was vegetarian at the time. I mean, 
wrong on on every level I don't know know. she does say but he has bought me better presents since well I'm glad to hear that Helen because he jolly well needs to doesn't that's a blind panic isn't it that's where you're just stood in the shop and you just could be overcome with sweat and panic (laughs) and just buy the nearest Christmas thing (laughs) I know what my beautiful life would wife vegetarian wife would like a turkey baster well let me tell you when I was uh, left home and I was vegetarian and my parents uh, were in so much denial about it they bought me an electric meat carver Oh. Which <laughs> they were lethal. Well, they were lethal. I used to use it to cut frozen butter. Oh, and, which is actually quite dangerous. I'm sure it was. Um, so no meat imagine. ever touched that, that, no. that electric meat carver, did it? No. Lovely Harriet on the Facebook had a shocker too. This is a good one. She mm. says, The worst present ever was my mother in law giving me a pair of listen to this mm. control pants oh. after i'd recently given birth to her first grandson oh. i think there's a whole book in passive aggressive oh, definitely present buying isn't definitely there, there is i mean and i think what that is a note we must all make for our future selves isn't it if we're going to be mother-in-laws it's just really really think about the presents you're going to buy them and i mean who would buy someone control pants for goodness sake it's just it's beyond, well isn't it? it's cruel isn't it but i think what happens in the family dynamics at Christmas is there's so many personalities involved, Mm. aren't there, that you just, people are trying to say things with presents, with everything else that's going on. And sometimes you can slot back into those childhood moments. Mm -hmm. We often find that, you know, especially with your siblings as well. And I remember interviewing Steve Biddulph, who wrote the book Raising Boys and Raising Girls. Mm -hmm. And he said, the best way of avoiding that is to do that giving each other space moment. Mm -hmm. So you work out how long you're going to be at a place, and I always think shorter, always take a day off or half an hour off or an hour off, shorter is better. And then you you take a moment. You You say, I'm going for a nap. I'm going upstairs. I'm going to have some time out to myself. Yeah. That would be my advice as well yeah. around Christmas. Yeah. Sometimes I'll take Mabel off to do something on, she's my youngest, on, on our own together that no one else wants to do, just to get us away yeah. from the situation so that we can come back to it fresh. Um, and you're talking about Christmas holidays in general, not just Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the day itself is obviously the big thing, but then you've got all of the yes. days afterwards as well, yes. which, can, which can also, if you've got relatives who are still staying, and as you say, you've got all of these things planned. So the, the heightened emotional states can kind yeah. of continue, can't they? Yeah. Yes. So should we go back to the present buying faux pas? Yes, from definitely. the Facebook group. There's a lovely one from Elaine here. Well, I say lovely, so it's quite entertaining. A few years ago, I bought my 15-year-old son a neck massager online on my phone. It also had a heating option, which I thought would be great for his sports aches and pains. As it was on my phone, the photo was small. It was expensive. It came in a large box and I wrapped it. He opened it on Christmas morning, took a look inside the box and handed it back to me and said, I think this might be for you. In the large box was a small vibrator. (laughs) I gave my son a vibrator for Xmas. Now we hang it on the tree every year with tinsel (gasps) and love. Now that is worse than your gun. Oh yeah, that is worse than shotgun lights. Yeah, I mean, goodness, that is that is quite brilliant. It sounds like she's got a good son, though, doesn't it? That he could just kind of say that and not, uh, you know, humiliate her in some kind of way. But I wonder if it just stays. Do you think it stays in with the Christmas decorations till next year? Then who knows? Let's not go there. Let's not go there. You could hang vibrators on trees. No, I didn't. The world has opened up to me. But imagine that would make for interesting conversation when the neighbours come round for a. 
a yeah. mince pie or a drink. Yes. 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 And talking of which, Sean posted about her worst ever festive frazzle. She says, after a very busy pre-Christmas work week, we were invited to a local Christmas Eve drinks party. I had done no Christmas prep, including no presents wrapped. I told hubby we would go for an hour and then jointly wrap the presents when we got back. Oh dear, we both had a great time at the party. Seven hours later, after several, I think that's an understatement, glasses of champagne, at midnight we got home and then I remembered there were no presents wrapped. What a shambles. Husband pissed lying flat on the bed while I started wrapping. I cursed him in Christmas for a couple of hours while I did the lot. Finally got to bed at 3 a.m. Never again. That's the wife again, isn't it? The the woman of the family. She went to sleep and she had to do the wrapping. Saving Christmas. Women saving Christmas. There's nothing I can say about that, Trish. That's exactly what Neil would do, isn't it? Well, (laughs) yes. And we'll give Emma from the Facebook group the final word because she had this lovely piece of advice, which is actually really helpful. And I'm going to do this. She says, don't try for a perfect day. Try for a few perfect moments more achievable and much less pressure now that's a really good way to look at it isn't it and then just pick out the bits that were real highlights for you i think that's very lovely this is just about making memories that's what all the experts say they don't remember the presents they got they remember the things they did don't yes Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today, we're about to attempt something that has never been attempted before. Four middle-aged women will be going on air at the same time in what we're calling a podcast mashup. Yes, that's right. It's Postcards from Midlife meets, fortunately, the Christmas special. Two absolute amateurs in the audio world, that's us, will interview two critically acclaimed broadcasters whose award-winning podcast has been downloaded more than 23 million times. I'm not sure how the fabric of the universe will be affected by this many midlife women talking on one show, but we are prepared to take the risk to interview radio legends Fee Glover and Jane Garvey in celebration of their first book, Did I Say That Out Loud? 
Notes on the Shuff of Life. Fee Glover, 52, is best known for the listening project on Radio 4, but also presents BBC TV documentaries and has hosted Newsnight. She writes a regular column for Waitrose Weekend and is a mum of two teens aged 15 and 13. Radio Times columnist Jane Garvey, who calls herself the BBC's difficult woman correspondent, presented Radio 4's Woman's Hour for 13 years after an award-winning stint at Radio 5 Live. She has two daughters aged 21 and 18. So here we go. Get ready for an oversharing overload. Thank you for joining us for our Christmas special. Can we begin with the big Christmas question? Tell us what each of you are planning to do this Saturday. Jane. You, Jane always needs to get Christmas off her chest <laughs> before yes. I do because Christmas is just way more of a palaver in Lady Garvey's life than it is in mine. So hold on tight, everybody. Here comes Jane's Christmas. <laughs> and I just say, I think I speak for many women. I just think it's a hell of a lot of work. It's some of the work I take on because I take it on. Other bits of work just seem to have become my responsibility over the years, and I'm not quite sure why. It's partly that I live in the place that's easiest for the rest of the family to get to, partly that I've probably got the most space. Actually, it's all my fault, isn't it? Okay, so I I take it all back. And we've just seemed to have established a routine which sort of suits everybody and in a funny way also suits me. But it was much harder when the kids were smaller because then you just have so much to remember. You know, things like, what shall I get the primary school teacher? Mm. All of that sort of stuff really does make me quite sleepless and quite anxious and I have to say that each year I tell myself I shouldn't get into this state and every year without fail I do and here I am again and Mm. I haven't got kids at primary school they're perfectly capable of sorting things out for themselves over to you Fee. (laughs) So my Christmas this year it's an identical copy of last year which is as everybody will remember and empathize with it was a last minute change wasn't it so this year there will just be me and my kids and my ex comes around for the day and that's all lovely and we have Nancy the dog farting away in front of the fireplace (laughs) uh, and our two fat cats trying to eat the turkey too soon and then friends come over later in the day the whiteboard comes out and you just have to you know I lay myself bare at your altar I love a whiteboard on Christmas day for all of the games the kids get really really what do you mean the whiteboard so we got a great big whiteboard and we play every single imaginable game oh my god Trish you would love this you would love (gasps) a whiteboard it's your favourite thing it's the best Christmas tip it's fantastic you feel a little bit anxious because there's no spreadsheet to look at over the holiday season (laughs) whiteboard can become your best friend yes I like that Uh, so we just play a lot of games in a very old-fashioned way well into the night does it get competitive so competitive of course competitive yes I've never been one of those mums who's you know wanted to kind of step back and let everybody win at everything Mm. which is just the slightly kind of more palatable way of saying (laughs) get out of my way I'm gonna win Scrabble if it kills me but the kids just they they like it too so we just get dafter and dafter as the day goes on and last year was fine actually you know we Mm -hmm. just had to chop and change a lot and lots of people couldn't make it and we couldn't do things and you know what everybody else experienced so I think this year we feel slightly more confident 
you know, that it'll be all right, whatever shape it takes. And and actually, you know, we still don't really know, do we? I mean, up no. until we all wake up on Christmas Day, I'm not sure that we all know exactly what, what we are going to be able to do. What have you been your best and worst Christmases? Last Christmas special, I told Trish about the time my mum lost her temper so severely she threw all of the Christmas dinner at the patio doors and fled the house. <laughs> is quite high up for the worst Christmas. What what have been your best and worst Christmases? Well, I have had a couple of challenging ones, really challenging. In fact, in our book, did I say that out loud? Mm. Uh, There is a chapter about Christmas because as Fee indicated, I am certainly brought to my knees by the festive period on an annual basis. And I think it may be not unconnected to the fact that my first daughter was born on December the 18th. And so I was discharged from hospital on December the 23rd. You know, you're just not going to forget that. And for reasons that I genuinely don't understand to this day, both sets of grandparents were all coming round. There was a great granny in the mix. I had my sister, my brother-in-law, a dog, uh, all crammed into our really quite tiny house at the time with me utterly unable to breastfeed a child. Everybody pitching in, giving advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad being sent out to get a laxative because I I just couldn't go. Uh, You know, all of that. That was Christmas. So that was the Christmas of 1999, Mm -hmm. closely followed by New Year's Eve of 1999. It was a great party, unless you had a two-week-old when it was... (laughs) I had constipation. (laughs) Yeah, and still (laughs) constipated. So not so much fun. Anyway, and then the other one that was terrible was 2013 when we had a norovirus outbreak on Boxing Day at 10 past four in the afternoon. And uh, unforgettable scenes uh, unfolded. Absolute digestive (laughs) carnage. What was really awful was that I was the only person in the house not to get it, which obviously put the pointed the finger of suspicion right at me. (laughs) So uh, had I brought it in, or had I, in fact, given everybody food poisoning but not eaten? The, anyway, oh. we still don't know. I've always said it was norovirus. Let's just stick with that. <laughs> um, so there's two cast iron examples of Thank pretty you. challenging periods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Follow that thing. <laughs> I don't. I think one of the reasons why I don't get as bothered about Christmas now in adult life is because actually we had some just very odd Christmases as kids. And I'm loath to call them bad Christmases, actually, because I think my parents always tried really hard. But they weren't together, as any child of uh, separated parents knows, Christmas. It's just different. It gets talked about in a different way because it's all about who's going where and all of that kind of stuff. And it's not, you know, it can't have that kind of baby in a manger feel to it my sister and I and and this was actually my sister's idea we took off to Paris we must only have been late teens we went to Paris on our own for Christmas one year so I think we got controversial sounds fabulous I think I think (laughs) we just we kind of felt uh, you know that we'd done all of the you know, the various family obligations. We went to Paris and we stayed in a really, really cruddy hotel somewhere up by the Sacre-Cœur. We wandered around these empty streets uh, on Christmas Day, found a really nice hotel to go and have Christmas lunch in. It had a mariachi band. Um, It was, I mean, it was a great Christmas. You know, that's, that's a great Christmas memory, really. And I do, you know, I do one, I slightly struggle with how we allow ourselves just to get into this mm-hmm. love-hate relationship with something. 
if it never really fulfills expectations or we're not prepared to admit that that's the way we like it, I do wonder why we keep doing it year after year after year. Mm, yeah. So I know that when you have kids, you do. You have an over overriding urge, don't you, to try and make it all magical and wonderful and all of that kind of stuff. But I think it says so much that at the first opportunity, my sister and I just, just go, <laughs> have gone a ferry <laughs> and went somewhere else. So far away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jane, you mentioned earlier, it's like you, you've you sort of taken on jobs around Christmas that you didn't even realise you started ending up doing and ending up doing everything. You know, we've been talking about this earlier about why do women, particularly midlife women, how have we, how have we let it come to this? How has this happened? Well, I would, in my case, my mum did also do it. And I am going to say this, she's still alive and very much with us. Some of it, I know she took on too much and kept on taking on too much and didn't do it lightly, shall we say. Mm-hmm. She, I think she might be willing to admit that. But also, I remember a Christmas where she really was cooking a vast meal for something like 16 people in our quite small house in in Liverpool and also cooking for the housebound lady next door. I remember that bit because I took her lunch round and sat with her for 10 minutes. I mean, only 10 minutes, I should say. When I look back, I just think, God, why didn't I stay half an hour? (laughs) She worked bloody hard and she worked hard to make Christmas as good as it could be for, for all of us and not just her immediate nuclear family. So I think that did leave an impression that perhaps there was an element of duty in this. And also, I've got some great Christmas memories too. On Boxing Day, we try to have my kids' other grandparents around as well. So they've got the four grandparents together on Boxing Day. And, you know, that's a nice thing and a kind of tradition that we've Mm -hmm. adopted. So you complain about it at your peril, really. Those of us who are fortunate enough to live in a pleasant environment with with heating Mm -hmm. um, and and we've got a bit of money, uh, how bad can Christmas realistically be? Mm -hmm. Why aren't men in charge of it? Because they're in charge of everything else. I don't, I don't, I mean, (laughs) sort of do make the point about things like that in 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 the book women are and i include myself here a bit territorial about it mm-hmm. as we are sometimes about aspects of childcare. you know sometimes you just mm. think oh i don't want him to do it because he won't do it as well as i do or i don't want him to do it as well as i do i don't know um that's definitely a factor i think unfortunately some men are bone idle lorraine i mean let's face it <laughs> You, you could do what my mum did when we were 13. She just had, in the manner of you, Jane, had had enough, so just stopped celebrating Christmas and... <laughs> We just didn't have it after, after I was wow. well, Do you I think she had explain no... why I left home at 16? So no Christmas day at all? Nothing? Just, just like another normal day? Uh, she would say, no, there's no press. This is just a disaster. It's a nightmare. Um, don't like it. Can't do it. All commercial. It's just not religious. We'd have a, a, like a lunch maybe, hmm. uh, but she Good wouldn't enough. engage uh, into the run-up or the run-out of it. It was oh, just okay. a slightly bigger chicken was the situation. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> was she happier for it? Well, I mean, I think you'd have to define happy there, Jane, in the context of stuff generally. What did that then do to your choices about Christmas? Well, I married a man who's obsessed with Christmas, who would put the Christmas tree up in September if he could. So there's a swing either way. I mean, I I quite like tradition, but I'm, Mm. I'm with you on that it's quite a stressful yeah, as I am with the COVID at the moment, my main worry is, well, who will do all the shopping and the yeah. bits and the pamps and the mm. bobs and the things like that? Well, Maybe you could see if you don't do it, what happens? An experiment. Well, no, I've got year. control issues, haven't I? Of course, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's 
true. <laughs> it's just not going to win. Have you managed to hand anything off, Fee, in terms of the preparations and all the work that goes in? Have you managed to offload? Not really. No. <laughs> no. I haven't. I've allowed myself to become quite reliant on the online facilities because it would be lovely, wouldn't it, to be, you know, go strolling around a Christmas market and individually choose all your gifts and have, you know, set aside two Wednesdays to wrap up and a Thursday to add ribbons. But that's not the reality for working parents, is it? Jay laughs at me for this, but I do. I book my online delivery slot as soon as they come up Mm -hmm. at the beginning of November. You know where it says uh, uh, shot from previous order? Yes. I just chopped from last year's. So everything's there. If it was there last year, it'll be there again this year. So that all gets sorted. You know, Christmas presents. I do use a delivery service. Jade and I benefit enormously from working in the centre of town near John Lewis. Yeah. So that gets a battering, you know, during a lunch hour. I tell you what, the thing that I do feel sad about, actually, for my kids' sake more than mine, is that when we did have Christmases back in the day when my parents were together, they had a church element. We definitely put on our Sunday best. It felt like a very different kind of day. My kids, we live in central London. They went to the local schools. They don't know carols. You know, we just have lived, they've grown up in a very different kind of community. And they know loads and loads of other things that I don't know and I'm very grateful they couldn't get past the first line of O Come All You Faithful and there's something about that chilly church stuff Mm. that actually is it's a bonus isn't it I mean you get bored by it when you're a kid and maybe Mm -hmm. take it for granted if you're made to do it but it's just such a different atmosphere and now it's probably a bit too late my son will be leaving home in a couple of years time so maybe this is the year that I march them off to midnight mass now Fortunately, your podcast show, which has had, I mean, I keep saying it, 23 million plus. It's more now, isn't it, Fee? We're always exaggerating. It's more. I like to add a million for every time (laughs) we do a bit of publicity. So So it's it's 37 million now. (laughs) I know you've talked about this before, but... Yeah, we'll go 26. Yeah. The BBC, Powers the Bee put you together to make this podcast they didn't uh, they didn't think it was going to be a hit did they just explain to our lovely midlife women why a podcast like this why you knew it was going to be a hit oh I don't think we did did you no I don't think we did at all (laughs) to be honest I'd say in the book I wasn't actually sure what a podcast was and I wasn't a listener to podcasts when we were asked if we wanted to do one and Fee and I we're both quite busy doing other things at the time. I used to look at my diary and think, oh, shit, I've got to do that podcast thing on Tuesday. And But then gradually, I began to enjoy it more and more. And then equally gradually, I think it's fair to say, we just began to realise people were listening, didn't we? It was weird. Yep. It was a proper word of mouth yeah. snowball. When we first sat down to do it, I mean, there was nothing on a piece of paper. There was no kind of expectation or plan or format even. So the fact that it has become so big, I think, will eternally surprise and delight us. But I think what we say in in the book quite a few times, because it is important, actually, isn't it extraordinary that there wasn't a space anywhere on any of the platforms, not just the BBC, where you could hear women not discussing the things that they were paid to do in their normal jobs, but talking in a, a different sensible hopefully vaguely empathetic way about their lives it's a success because people need it isn't it not because Jane and I are 
thoroughly brilliant. Yeah, it's a very underserved market. You've said before, yeah. Fee, that a lot of the podcasts that started that were involved when we were about their sex lives because that's the algorithm. People, you know, that was the thing that seemed popular. But actually, this is just a podcast about women nice. and life generally. Mm. If you'd gone to the BBC and pitched this, do you think, to the commissioning editors, would they have picked it up? Not at the beginning. And I think we did a we did a little pilot together. I mean, God, this must be ages ago, Jane, about eight years ago now, seven or eight years ago, when the BBC was dipping its toe in the podcast waters. So they didn't really know what to expect and neither did we. So we sat down in a room together and we just burbled away. And uh, that was swept off the table immediately. And and actually, there's not very much difference between what fortunately turned into yeah. a very original podcast. But I think that it was the tone that we used. It was the topics that we chose to talk about. And it was that meandering style that, you know, we all know as women is how we talk. So we'll do an enormous thing and then we'll talk about some funny things. And Jane always makes the lovely point that you never invite your best friend round on a Friday evening to have only a serious conversation, you know, and then invite somebody round on Saturday only to have a laugh and do bants. Mm. That's just not how life is. So I think it, it seemed hard in the commissioner's minds to imagine that there would be equal value in both of those things and you could put them together and they'd work. Mm-hmm. But it has worked, Garth, hasn't it? It has, and so have we, by the way. Blimey, we've worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stranger to, to hard work, really. I've, I've slightly avoided it in my life. I've just done things I liked. This last year, Fee and I have genuinely worked on what's it off. It's the success. Um, you have to do more when you're successful. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm absolutely not complaining. But it's serious mode we are delighted that it's it's found a place Mm -hmm. and that people have found it I think over the last 18 months or so getting on for two years isn't it now god people have needed some sort of comfort whether it comes in audio form or any other kind of form Mm -hmm. uh, like never before and Mm -hmm. we're under no illusions we're a sort of audio comfort blanket Mm -hmm. for people who choose to to be with us and that's the point they've chosen Mm -hmm. so they've elected to be part of our listenership they're not fed us on the radio but you weren't friends before were you I would say we were very friendly I mean I was I would occasionally say things about her behind her back but only to other broadcasters and um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure sure she did the same Um, but we were friendly and I think we're now much closer than we were when we started I mean that goes without saying poor Fee is sick to death at the sight of me and the sound of me I suspect Um, and I think she might be counting off the hours till the 19th of December at about midnight when she'll probably be able to say goodbye to me for about three weeks that's when we finish our tour and bury St Edmunds oh right it's very very similar to Coldplay or the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> finishing in berries and death. Oh, so, so I just need to say that I'm not sick of the sight of Jane already. It's been such an extraordinary midlife treat. Yes, that's fortunately, true. to have worked and then to be writing a book. I mean, I just would never, ever, 20 years ago, have imagined that this is what I'd be doing at the age of nearly 53. I just couldn't have imagined it. So it's really, really wonderful. And I think the thing that we really cherish, cherish is funny, isn't it? That's a word you only ever say in interviews. Never say that in normal life, do you? But look, we're cherishing. Let's start uh, saying it in normal life. <laughs> so the community, unfortunately, that sends us emails and tells us about their lives and keeps us updated and keeps us in check as well, uh, is just the most wonderful 
wonderful community. So sometimes when we've been out and about on the tour, hawking our wares, you know, we'll be sitting on a stage and you look around and every single one of those, largely women, usually there are four or five men in the audience who've been dragged along, promise something later that probably won't happen. But you look, you know, around every single one of those women, Jane and I know we could go for a drink with and have a laugh Mm. and Mm. have something in common with and learn something from. So that is just lovely, really properly spine tingling it comes back to the friendships i think with the kind of friendship dynamic that you guys have you know we have a facebook group that we have our community on as well i think it's that seeing friendships celebrated experiencing a friendship in this process contributing to the show and we get all sorts of kind of funny things you must get a lot as well do you get lots of memorable things that you kind of didn't know about or anything that really kind of struck you that prompted ideas for shows and things gosh i mean one of the funniest do you remember when we just talked about scabs? Yeah. Oh my God, yes. That was so weird. And we just got, we have some astonishing emails, uh, some extremely serious. I mean, extremely mm. serious and heartwarming and tragic, just life enhancing some of the stuff we're sent. But we also had quite a long running string of emails about scabs, hairy scabs, <laughs> um, scabs that people had kept. Uh, in one case, a woman had kept a, a chicken pox scab. That's and, nice. And well, and turned it into a kind of wig for a Cindy. I think, well, I think it, it was. It was one of those chicken oh pox scabs that when it with came hairs. off, had a hair sticking out of yeah, it. Yeah, so it's useful. <laughs> And practically stayed with you. Yes. Well, yeah, and and practically Mm. half the population has has an umbilical cord somewhere in their house, hidden in a drawer. That's disgusting. And a woman went on a date, didn't she, Jane, with a bloke who quite proudly displayed on his mantelpiece a jar in which he kept all of his verrucas. That's right. There we go. I know. I think he's still single. I might look him up, actually. Um. We had a thread, didn't we, Trish, about mm. things smelling differently. Oh, yes. Which yes. Just went on for quite a long time, yes. how women had got to menopause, perimenopause, and their sense of smell had changed. And then, oh, yeah. And what they meant was their sense of smell, as in they smelt differently, which was quite a long, oh, yes. slightly They're unpleasant thread. Yes. So you've got to know each other deeper deeper and a lovely and it's lovely hearing your friendship how do you see each other now compared to how you saw each other two years ago what do you like and love what what niggles you what's the most annoying um, thing about each other what's the most uplifting thing about each other? the most ir- annoying thing about fee is how good she is that's extremely annoying and i think she and i and i'm not going to let her interrupt me now she is brilliant at our stage shows she is just incredibly articulate and witty and so quick she is incredibly quick I am not so good on stage but as we were discussing the other day I'm really good on the journey so I don't get cross I just sit quietly or chat and I eat an apple and I'll flick through a newspaper I won't cause any trouble doesn't matter what happens I I won't get grumpy whereas the same cannot be said of my little friend um (laughs) who (laughs) go on admit it so I've had some right strops (laughs) I'm just not used to having to go and do something uh, in the evenings especially after the last couple of years being locked in the house my DNA has just reacted quite badly to having to leave the house at 3.50 to catch a train to Andover. But this is for problems. the book tour, isn't it? Yeah, the book yes. tour has been tipping you so, over the edge. And Jane yeah. is the most lovely, yeah. calming presence because she doesn't tell me off or try to kind of soothe me. She literally just sits there like a Buddha 
in the in yeah. somewhere in the station or on a plastic seat in the you know we got stuck actually at Hereford station we had the most terrible journey back we found ourselves on a rail replacement bus on a Sunday oh. morning across the Welsh border and back so many times we felt like we were doing a skirmish in some kind of a 16th century battle the thing that I really have come to admire about Jane I mean enormously as well is that she is fearless in what she puts out there and I'm much more fearful about it so one of the reasons why fortunately has taken off is because Jane kind of stepped over a line um, just so brilliantly in her anecdotes about home life and finding a sultana in her bra and giving away a lot actually but in a very nice not hey look at me or I'm just saying this to be funny way but in a very honest way Mm -hmm. I really really admire that and she's also doing herself down because she's very funny she's very funny on stage and actually in the second half Jane always has a glass of something and I just say Jane speaking in the third person will not be having anything to drink tonight (laughs) as I'm feeling a little what's the expression my granny liverish I think after last night yes (laughs) do you spend your social time together then we've had lunch but Fee's been round here (laughs) where was that was the night I get into a real like another fussy state and over panicky state we had a sort of showbiz ladies evening where Fee came Anita Arnan came did it need to come that night? And yeah. Claire Balding and Alice came, and I, I just oh, got all celebrity confused. dinner party. Yeah, Trish, was a, that's what well, we need to have. It was really, yeah. it wasn't really a dinner party. But anyway, I, I made salad, but gravy as well. And it just, <laughs> I just didn't know what I was doing. I just, I was all over the place. Anyway, Fee was there. I think that's the last time she's been round to my house. To be fair, you know, we really do see a lot of each other. I think if we were also spending huge amounts of social time together, I think you'd start to ask questions. <laughs> 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 get divorced we really would yes God. <laughs> yes i think it helps that lorraine lives in north london and yeah. i'm in southwest yeah well exactly yes. yeah so good. i'm over in east london and jane's over in east west kensington okay yes. we just know quite a few people who we've worked with mm-hmm. over the years who we are connected to so we have nice nights out with them and actually i've seen jane more regularly over the last couple of years albeit on zoom or whatever then i have some of my closest friends because mm-hmm. we've got that appointment every week so i think we almost don't feel the the need to hook up as well does she time. whatsapp you at six forty-five in the morning she, she doesn't like the whatsapping i don't understand that's you know, i'm a year younger than you trish that's yeah, why that's you haven't it. got yeah. your head around it yeah. well, i think it's one of life's great little pleasures when you wake up in the morning switch your phone on and yeah, there is WhatsApp chats going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our podcast, small, tiny, not professionals, on, is about midlife. Talk us through your. I mean, you're going to hate this. Talk us through your midlife journeys. How have they been? In terms of change, making change in your own life, I am hopeless. So <laughs> I, I overthink every decision and therefore I don't make any decisions and then I do and I find it incredibly stressful so this time last year I was still doing woman's hour I did the last one on New Year's Eve that I was ever going to do and it was a very extraordinary and odd period to be working in that environment and doing that sort of thing 
but I'd been thinking about doing it. And Fee knows this because I talked about it to her. I must have been saying I need to stop doing Woman's Hour for about four years before I actually did it. (laughs) And after I got divorced, I drove around in the family car, which had a West Bromwich Albion personalised number plate for eight years before I could be bothered (laughs) changing the car. (laughs) I'm such a procrastinator. I'm hopeless. But I think I'd have been the same in my 20s. I'm just no good at change. I think Fee's a bit more flexible. Gosh, I'm a bit more flexible. So I don't really like staying in things for too long. I think that's always been my mm. problem. I get rather kind of... I don't of think that is a problem. I think that's actually quite a good thing. Feet. Oh, I don't know. I think my midlife has brought a lot of stability on that, actually. I think I used to rather enjoy the sensation of, you know, jumping off a cliff and thinking, have I packed a parachute and I don't enjoy that sensation at all no. anymore. I sometimes get that very self-destructive, self-critical voice mm. in my head, which just goes on and on and on. You could have done that better. You could have been nicer. You know, you should have been taller, whatever it is. In almost you should have been taller. And I think at the beginning of the menopause, that can uh, almost overwhelm you. Mm. So I, did, I was catastrophizing as much about whether or not I put the washing machine on the right cycle as I was about global warming. There was really nothing in the middle. It was all being approached with that extraordinary kind of, you know, it's like a woodpecker sometimes in your head. And I think I've just got used to that now. And it's kind of like, well, that's just how I'm always going to think. So let's just bat it away and just crack on. And that's actually a very nice feeling. So I don't worry about worrying, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. We Which, have we have discussed the fact that, and everyone seems to say this, the, the joy of midlife is you really don't care anymore. <laughs> actually, Trish, I do still really, really care. Mm-hmm. I kind of managed to put it in a box where it's not, okay. it's not quite such harmful mm. kind of hurt. I am upset by that, but let's just walk away from it rather than, you know, let it kind of scar I suppose it's just a good tool to learn Mm -hmm. but it's a funny old phase isn't it I mean it's cursed by its reputation isn't it Mm -hmm. because previous generations haven't been able to say how difficult it is but we've witnessed we witnessed our mothers aunts teachers you know maybe become a little bit more morose or difficult or whatever it was and so what we've sailed into with our unique ability in our generation to really talk about things uh, is almost an amplified version of that. We need to be the generation that then really talks about the upsides and mm-hmm. what comes next, which hopefully is better because we've all learnt things and we know ourselves a bit. We've tried to stay jolly, don't we, Trish? Jolly? Yeah, yes, jolly. jolly. Yeah. Lots good. of laughing, laughing. Well, it's, jolly. A big, yeah. it's a big state of change. You know, yeah. we both worked in glossy magazines for decades. They are coming to the end of their time and we've come out of them. So the next bit is quite a sort of, it's quite a big adventure, isn't it, yes. really? For... Yeah, yeah. And do you feel optimistic that the next phase has something? I'm over the death maths now, and I've come to the realisation I'm not going to win an Olympic medal, that there's a, the time is finite and, the, kind of, you know, there's the big stuff I probably can't do. I was quite hit by my eldest leaving home last year. That really knocked me. Um, but I do feel genuinely like there's a second spring element. Mm. I mean, when I get through the COVID, obviously, I feel even more upset, excited. But I think there's that next bit is 
it's an adventure, isn't it, Trish? That's what mm. we fit, sort of I think. So I think I've sort of flipped actually only in the last sort of few months, really, from feeling like I'm going to go and do something like I did before. My life will, you know, go back yeah. to how it was before in terms of a job and a career. Then I've sort of realised that's not what I want at all. And and the joy of this, a bit like you guys, but on a, a much smaller scale, is we had no idea how no. successful. We just d- decided to do it as a little side hustle when we were both feeling a bit deranged with menopause and it's just you know, <laughs> taken a bit taken deranged off. so I think it's that being open to possibilities and not thinking ahead too much I always used to just plan ahead year 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 and I've stopped doing that now dare I say it living a bit more in the moment which is rather yeah. nice Trish don't you feel more grounded as a result very much yeah. so yeah totally but I've always had this really a boring capacity for contentment you know not happy but content. <laughs> oh, I like content. I, I want happy. Yeah. Like, you want big happy all content. the time. No, happy's exhausting. I don't want that. Mm. <laughs> mm. Right. I think we have to talk about podcasts, don't we? Because oh, we yeah. have Margot, my cat Margot, and you have Dora and Nancy. Lorraine is not a cat person. Don't like cats. <laughs> well, you haven't named Fee's cats because Nancy's a greyhound. She'll be horrible. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. That's uh, no, no, Lorraine, don't worry. Nancy's my greyhound, but then we've okay. got two great big fat hackney Tom cats but they don't get very much of a mention on the podcast they don't get a lot of airtime no okay well margot gets quite a lot of mentions um, (laughs) mainly from lorraine who can't stand her but um we we have a lot of cat tales have you had any sort of funny cat tales well i I like dora though don't they jane they're always talking to you about people do like dora i think a lot of people like dora more than i do frankly there's a there's a there's quite a large lorraine shaped side of me when it comes to cats (laughs) I am the world's most reluctant cat owner and when Dora I mean Dora does sometimes just literally get into bed with me Mm. and I find that I don't want that that's not the kind of thing I want she's also incredibly aggressive has some quite unpleasant digestive issues which means that she can supposedly only eat the most expensive (laughs) veterinary only prescribed dry cat food that costs about 190 quid for a I don't know, a kilo. It's driving me up the wall. Um, she won't go out, despite being called Dora the Explorer. <laughs> but has has taken over quite a large part of the house with a sort of playroom, which is just ridiculous. You know, she's she's nearly <laughs> she'll be two at some. I don't know. I mean, and within forty eight hours of her arriving in the house, I bent down to pick her up, bash my head on a piano. Makes oh. it sound like I'm living in a stately home, which I can assure you I'm not. And I grand had to go piano, to A&E. Yes, it was a grand piano, yeah. Um, so I've still, I've still got a very small scar on my forehead. So Dora's not really, she's the kid's mm-hmm. thing. But at the same time, I can't now imagine a life without a cat. Oh. You know, well, I 50, think the thing with cats, though, is you don't know what you're going to get. You don't, It's not mm. like dogs who sort of mould into your family, I feel. Although yes, ours that's is a good a bit, point. You know, yeah. temperamental. But she moulds into the family. As cats, you get, they come as Cats, oh, don't yeah, they're changing them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't do. want to do the death maths on that because she's probably going to live till she's about 20. So if she's yeah. only two, you've got a long Thank way you, to Trish. go. I mean, I am aware that soon it'll be me and her. Uh, that's not great. I'll be, I won't lie to you. <laughs> but but Mar- Margot, Trish, is the longest living animal you've had. She has. She's most 12. of your stuff dies mm. around eight or nine, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Margot's <laughs> lived longer. Stuff, most of my stuff, you mean my previous. <laughs> Cats, yeah, your beloved previous... cats. Before you go, did you think of a nostalgia noodle? 
What have you got for us, Fee? Well, if I talk slowly, Jane, that'll give you enough time. <laughs> you better just guess. I'm afraid I will. I mean, I think Lorraine already suspects that I haven't actually read the email. And, uh, and... Don't worry, I'll cover for you. <laughs> Mine will be shaders and toners. Shaders and toners. Yes, well done. So I did write about shaders and toners Mm. in the book, and quite a few people who've read the book have have been in touch. If you're of a certain age, they just brightened up an extremely dull couple of years, didn't they? Mm. Because they were only about 32p. You could convince yourself. I mean, I remember the sheer excitement of going to Boots on a Saturday morning and buying the latest shaders and toners and genuinely thinking that I, it would somehow transport me into a different yeah. mm. place, uh, you know, the, a whole different circle of friends. You know, something enormous was going to happen by adding this 32-piece sachet to my head. I did talk to one of my oldest friends about it the other day, and she was laughing because uh, Debs, she had very blonde hair, and she used to go for all of the warm chestnut and rich mm. mahogany, mm. you know, which was devastating. Take weeks and months to get rid of that stuff. But I've always had very dark hair. I used to buy things like shampoo. Champagne gold. <laughs> Madness. I didn't really think that I was going to waft out of my bathroom <laughs> 20 minutes later as a different person. But I love shaders and toners. Yes. I mean, they've just, you look at the hair stuff now, it's very complicated, isn't it? And <laughs> like uh, the sun in. Did you do sun in? Oh, we did sun in, yes. Yeah. And actually, I have got nieces and nephews who still do sun in, so that's still a thing. But they wouldn't have the faintest idea what shaders and toners were. I think the young ones take their hair very, very seriously now. They're not as seriously as their eyebrows. That's the holy grail. The eyebrow is hours of bathroom activity. I mean, they look at me and they say, will you be going out with those eyebrows? And I say, yeah, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Can't they, leave them at home. Well, Jane, is that given enough time? Has, has Fee given yes. enough cover? It, well, yeah, she has. Um, not for the first time. I'm sure I'm the oldest person in this conversation. And I vividly remember decimalization <laughs> really for the impact on the price of a lucky bag. Do you remember lucky yes, bags? Lucky bags. Yeah. And lucky bags changed. I think they were sixpence and they became two and a half pence overnight. And I was stunned by this I was I used to really save up for lucky bags they were my favorite thing go to the sweet shop I remember the smell of old-fashioned mm. confectioners well they weren't old-fashioned at the time they were just confectioners <laughs> they were thoroughly no. modern they were thoroughly they were very contemporary but this would have been what 1971 or two I don't mm. know what I think decimalization was 72 anyway I mean <laughs> I've tried to explain this to my kids who obviously nod off but it, it was an incredible thing that money just changed <laughs> overnight <laughs> so two and a half P just seemed an extraordinary thing to me and you had to fiddle about looking for the half pence that was the extraordinary thing in order to get your lucky bag and also big thing about lucky bags was you very very occasionally and it was a really brilliant thing you got a water pistol in a lucky bag yes the little one the really tiny one but yeah almost they were so rare and if you got a a water pistol you would you know you'd be the queen of the playground it was just Mm. the most extraordinary thing that's definitely my trip down nostalgia boulevard for you thank you very much for that so final thing then you've got the podcast you've got your book what happens next fortunately is there going to be some kind of musical will there be merchandise can we get mugs with your faces on what's the next step well i think if we did merchandising i think we'd like to go big wouldn't we so i mean i think a couple of well yeah i think a couple of coaching uh, fortunately coach trips (laughs) <laughs> be a very good idea. <laughs> yes. I think so. Seriously, some day trips mm. I think would be cracking good fun. Yep. 
Uh, what we're trying to avoid is just a tote bag. I don't want. Yeah. To, I don't yeah. want to end my career got, in a tote. I've got bag. a tote bag now from every literary festival we've been yes. to. <laughs> so she's got two. <laughs> No, I've got thought. Shut up. Miserable girl. Um, possibly. No, I can't Rose say that. Show. Sorry. So I can't. No, you can't, can't, say, I can't that. say that. No. Um, that Jane, yes. is that like when you announced you decided not to do Strictly to all those people at Cheltenham when I came to see you? That was oh, very... Did I say that? That was awful. You said me. it several times. Did I? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Fee almost certainly made me say that thing because you're not supposed yes. to say it. You're supposed no. to forever keep quiet if you say no to Strictly. But so, in fact, mentioning Christmas we're all looking forward in this house and that would include even my 88 year old father to Christmas Day strictly because my ex-husband is on it oh brilliant I can't break any showbiz confidences but it's already been done Mm. and um yeah would he be wearing the colours of West Bromwich Albion no no he's wearing an absolutely beautiful frock (laughs) 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 oh thank you both so much for this fortunately postcards from midlife mashup thank you both very much now we've had nostalgia noodles from the gurus the radio broadcasting (laughs) millions and millions of download experts what have you got that can follow that then, Trish? Come on. Well, I don't know. Lucky bags and shaders and toners. Well, a bit easier because I've gone Christmas. We've gone Christmas themed, haven't we, for this Christmas special? Yes, and I Trish. was thinking, I don't know, this popped into my head and horrified me. And I was like, how has that entered my brain? Do you remember There's No One Quite Like Grandma by the St. Winifred School's Choir? Oh, I do. Christmas number one. Christmas Dreadful. number one. Dreadful. <laughs> dreadful so of course once it was in my head I had to start yes. looking it up and it, I it was surprising because I don't know that I could tell you what decade it was but so can you tell me what year do you think that was well it feels like I would have still been at home so maybe late 80s no no you're no 19, my miles out 1981 and it knocked oh. John Lennon Starting over. Oh, you're joking. The top spot. I mean, that's quite something to go from comedy records. <laughs> anyway, when I watched the little video on YouTube of it, I mean, the little girl who's the lead singer, she does sound like she sucked a helium balloon. It's very <laughs> squeaky. And um, they got re- they reunited a few years ago for a charity, I think for Age Concern, which is great. But I'm afraid to say they got they- worse. <laughs> Can't sing. Not doesn't sound like a helium balloon, but I don't think careers on the stage in the West End for the singing voice. I'm not a big fan of choirs. Is that a no. controversial well, opinion to have? I don't like be, it. You don't like it? What, no, it makes sounding my... too closely to people. I don't like that. I'm jealous of anyone that can sing, obviously, because oh, yes, that's my great yes, regret wish in life. Mm. Um, but I just, I don't know. It makes my, the hairs on my arms stand up. I feel Ooh. like something must have happened that I've blanked out of my memory with Ooh. the choir situation. Oh, right. Okay, we might have to explore that with your therapist. Yes. So, yes. We're oh, my te- therapist. <laughs> that's why I do <laughs> this podcast, God's sake. <laughs> so tell me about your little festive nostalgia noodle. Well, mine's a bit of an obvious Christmas one, but it's what I would call the gateway drug for oh, me, okay. this one. So um, do you remember the snowball? 
yes the drink oh yes yeah so my uh in our house my parents didn't really drink my dad might have had a beer at some Mm. point you know my just with that generation didn't really have Mm. drinks in the house if they went out to do drinks Mm -hmm. not like us guzzling bottles of wine at home vino in the cupboard vendors Mm -hmm. every night Anyway, so we would only have alcohol generally at Christmas and mm. we would, as older children, be allowed to have a snowball. A snowball. After 12 o'clock on Christmas Day. And do you know what's in it? I, I don't know. I remember it being very sweet. This was my fir- can... sort of yeah. first introduction to yeah. alcohol. It's Advocar, which is basically yeah. egg whites and some low-grade alcohol. <laughs> and then you'd have half a pint of lemonade... Oh, my God. And some pure lime cordial in it. I mean... That is very strange. That's not how I'm remembering it. But I probably had like a sip of one once or twice, maybe. But we would... uh, My sister and I would manfully struggle through sipping it being grown up. (laughs) It's absolutely disgusting. Do they still make them? Yes, they do. You can still have a snowball. (gasps) Oh, yes. And that kept me going until I discovered my next drink. Trish, what do you think? Which was like hard gin, whiskey, bourbon. Baby sham. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Yes. And then maybe half a cider. No, no. Then I just, then I went too far because obviously I've got, I don't have the moderation dream. I went straight to diamond white. Very, oh, right, right. Do you know what that was? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. know it was hardcore. No. Well, I can't remember anything that happened under no, the influence of, of Diamond White. Of but it all not. started with the Advocat at oh, Christmas, you see. You Let that be a warning to your kids. So that brings us to the end of this postcards from Midlife Christmas special and the end of 2021 too. As this is the last episode of the year, but we will be back in mid-January with more brilliant guests and chat, helpful advice and jibber-jabber about the ups and downs of being in midlife. Yes. Now, if you want to subscribe via your podcast provider, the episode will pop into your app so you won't need to seek us out we will come to you. And in the meantime, Trish and I will be on the private Facebook group with all our brilliant midlife gang, keeping the conversation going. So if your mother-in-law gives you a pair of control pants this Christmas, please come and tell us about it (laughs) so that we can support you and sympathise with you. So all that's left to say for 2021 is... Happy Happy Christmas! Christmas. (laughs) 